welcome to Daily Confetti on Unsafe Space with Carter and Carrie. Today is Monday, August 19th, and Carter and I both went for hikes this morning. Yours sounded more intense than mine. I just went for a walk in the back. Mine was pretty intense. Yeah, you sound like you got a workout out of it. I am surprised I'm able to do confetti. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad that you showed up. Yeah. Confetti, Carrie. Yeah. Um, but I'm rewarding myself with lobster Benedict, which is, so today's a very fancy confetti. I'm drinking, does that count as fancy? (laughs) (laughs) Um, wait, what's all the stuff we're supposed to say? Thank you guys for liking and subscribing. And if it's your first time watching us, um, there's an introductory video on our channel that tells you what we're about. And, um, I heard that I heard from someone recently that we were called alt right and we're not. <laughs> well, anyone who's not a Marxist is alt right. So there you go. Yeah. I guess we're fascists now. Well, according to Antifa, everyone's a fascist. Yeah. So I mean, I, that's I kind of want to talk about Antifa a little bit today because of what happened in Portland over the weekend, and. I generally am curious about why things are happening in Portland in particular. I looked Portland up. It's like largely white and low unemployment. And that's why. uh, And and like the demographics aren't really, it's not like there's a a disproportionate number of millennials or anything. I don't know. It's Antifa is mostly white. It's like wealthy white people who hate themselves and have no meaning in their life and are trying to, and, and also want to hurt people. I guess. I, yeah. I mean, there's clearly a lot of anger and, and just bile leaking out of Antifa members. If you just watch videos, you can just see the hatred, but I, I don't know. I, I used to, I watched like a couple episodes of Portlandia when it first came out, which was almost 10 years ago. And it's interesting to me that, that they recognized something unique about Portland's culture. And I was trying to figure out if what they recognized was somehow related to Antifa, which I think it is. It, it was obviously they didn't recognize it as, as violent because it wasn't as violent then. But there is something about the religious nature of their kind of angsty virtue signaling socialist kind of mentality um but it but it's very sophomoric right and that which is what portlandia just kind of made fun of the sophomoric angsty thing i mean their whole intro to it was uh what the some the the spirit of the 90s is alive in portland like they were kind of mocking and of course for them the 90s meant probably teenage years or whatever so Mm -hmm. it's that kind of a thing but i'm not I'm not entirely sure. I'd like to research a little bit more why Portland, because this stuff with Antifa, it's almost always Portland. I mean, it's elsewhere, Berkeley. There was, there's stuff in Berkeley too, but, but look at Berkeley. So weird. Berkeley also elite, wealthy. It's, elite, it's rich and it's largely, I don't know if it is largely white, but it's elite and rich anyway. It's certainly more white than the neighboring cities of Oakland or whatever. So. Yeah. I saw a um article this morning in the New York Post 
And they basically called all these beliefs. I haven't heard this phrase before. I think it's brilliant. They called all these SJW beliefs, uh, luxury beliefs. Yeah. It's, it's similar to the champagne socialists, right? It's that kind of a, that kind of a thing. So just let's, let's just tell people basically what happened. I don't even want to show videos because they're all, it's the same kind of video that we see all the time. All the time. Here's a bunch of people dressed in, in black, wearing face masks, beating on people and screaming at them. Um, there was a guy that looked like he was there with his daughter, which I, I mean, it looked like a little girl, maybe nine or 10, which I don't understand why you would take a kid into a rally like that, but they chased them all the way down the street. And it, I mean, it was pretty, I was imagining it would be pretty scary to have that happening, but people were getting pepper sprayed, beaten. Uh, I did see, I guess the Proud Boys were there and there was an altercation with the bus. Well, the Proud Boys, so here's the thing, leading up to this, I think it's really important to look at how the media presents this because the media aligns itself with Antifa. The legacy media aligns itself with Antifa. And so all the headlines leading into this, like they always are, say far right group, uh, you know, they're calling the the Proud Boys far right, which I don't think they are. They're calling them white nationalists, which they're definitely not. Um, They call them, I mean, they make it sound as if they're violent and as if they're the threat. And I like one of the headlines says, you know, Portland braces or Portland says no to far right extremists. They are presenting, they are lying to you. The extremists here are Antifa. The people who commit the violence overwhelmingly are Antifa. So the Proud Boys came out. They did what they do. They marched and waved some flags. As Tim Poole put it, they waved some American flags. And then they got on their bus, which was attacked by Antifa. And they went to a barbecue like they, right. they, they didn't do any violence, but what did Antifa do? They hung around and beat people up like they do maced people, bystanders, not even people who were like some Trump supporters, but some just like random people like that guy you were talking about with the daughter. Yeah. Well, I mean, he had, he had a shirt that said he doesn't like racism. So <laughs> see, yeah, <laughs> they don't care. They're there to, they're I don't like racism or Antifa or something like that. But uh, I mean, doesn't matter. The point is, he wasn't doing anything. He was just standing around wearing a shirt they didn't like. They are bullies, and they are violent, and they are, they are, um, I mean, they've been called domestic terrorists by the FBI and by the Department of Homeland Security, and that was under the, in the Obama years. In the Obama years, those two departments referred to them as domestic terrorists. They are domestic terrorists, and now you have headlines, why doesn't Trump denounce the alt-right in Portland? Because the alt-right wasn't there. And the alt-right's not doing any violence. The alt-left is. And the media, this is one of the most blatant examples of them lying um, that I can think of is the way they've sold, they've sold this lie that there's all these crazy um, right-wing groups and, and white nationalist groups that are amassing in cities and that, and that we need these masked thugs, violent thugs with pipes and mace and um bike locks you know that professor who who beat that kid in the head with a bike lock and sent him to the hospital um that we need these people no portland should be i think the mayor should be ashamed of himself like they should be bring in a paddy wagon and put these people in jail in my opinion so anyway i'm sorry i, I ranted 
I'll give you the floor. No, it's a good <laughs> rant. I, I think there's a couple things specific to this weekend that I do want to bring up. One is um, we saw someone filmed. They, I guess they caught this on film uh, from Antifa. Antifa had a, like a little black case of a concrete block. And so they would open the case and put it on the ground and break the concrete block up and then use it to throw the pieces, the concrete pieces. The other thing I want to point out is there's been some, I saw on from the blue check marks on Twitter, this criticism that I, so Andy No was, was posting pictures of a guy that got a hammer thrown at him and was beaten up. And the blue check marks were saying, yes, but the Proud Boys brought that hammer and they were attacking with the hammer first. And that's sort of true, but, but, I, but deserves context. Antifa, first of all, just in this specific instance, Antifa was attacking the bus and trying to pull people out of the bus so they could beat them. Someone on the bus reached out with a hammer to try and like stop them from like hit their hands to stop them from trying to grab people off the bus. So this was already, yeah, they introduced the hammer. It was, it was in defense of the bus. People were getting pulled off the bus to get beaten up by Antifa. So, and then, so the hammer got away from him and then they used the hammer and threw it at someone. Now, the other thing though, I think that we need to understand is we need to step back and understand that the Proud Boys formed in response to Antifa violence. That's part of their origin story. So this is a, you had Antifa out beating people up, getting away with it. In fact, these, these guys in New York the two Proud Boys were just convicted in New York, but even though the investigators agreed that the Antifa people that were involved should also be tried, they couldn't be identified because they were wearing masks, so they don't know who they were. So you had Antifa out here beating people up, inciting violence, and part of what the Proud Boys, part of their, their origin story was around fighting back, like protecting people from Antifa. Go ahead. Can I point out the New York uh, scuffle you're talking about and this thing that just happened in Portland? Every single time, it's Antifa going to a Proud Boy event to cause, specifically to cause violence and cause yes. trouble. You know what? If you ignored them, nobody would pay attention to them. Like why... You, uh, one of the things, I did watch Tim Pool's video about it. One of his points was like, you just, you, it was a PR win, even though the legacy media, the blue check marks are working overtime to try and present this in the exactly opposite light. But, um, but it was a PR win for them. They didn't do any violence. And you brought all this attention to them. Like, ignore them. Why do you show up at their events and try to start stuff? Go have your own event, freaks. When they do have their own event, Proud Boys don't generally show up to do anything. No, they don't. No. <laughs> Yeah, so I just, but it's, I think it's just important, like, historically to, to think about this context, because Proud Boys, as tensions escalate, there will be times when, I think there will be times when people from Proud Boys or other organizations will instigate violence against Antifa, because they view themselves at war, and it's not incorrect. They kind of are at war. There's this organization that's been out attacking innocent people, initiating force, and there are people that are sick of it 
And so at some point, what's going to happen, obviously, is the mainstream media then will use anything like that to say, see, see, it's the Proud Boys initiating violence. But you just have to keep this in historical context also. Antifa has been around for, well, Antifa internationally has been around since, you know, World War II, prior to World War II. But Antifa, this, this, this incarnation, it's been a while. It's been, this is years and they've been doing this and they've been beating people up and they've been getting away with it and they've been hitting them with bike locks and they've been throwing cement blocks at people and they've been attacking people and hitting them with sticks and macing them and like, this is what- Starting fires and looting and rioting. Yes. So this is who Antifa is. And I think it's important to keep that in context. They, uh, they throw urine and feces on cops and not just cops. They throw it on people. They pee in bottles and they bring it and they're proud of it. They- they're disgusting people. Yeah. Um, they also, by the way, they, I don't know if you saw the clips, they called one of the black Portland cops a coon and a race traitor and all this stuff. I mean, they were throwing racist insults at one of the black cops in Portland. And they're, they're mostly white, which blows my mind. The Proud Boys are not. The Proud Boys are very racially diverse, which is kind of hilarious because then you see the legacy media having to explain that and seriously with a straight face printing articles saying that they're multi-ethnic white supremacists. <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. The, other, the other thing I just want to mention about the blue check marks is, and I've seen this a couple times, and I, I just, I almost, I almost feel like it shouldn't have to be addressed, but I know that there are low IQ people out there that need to hear this. Most of those low IQ people are probably blue check marks, but... They, there are people out saying, oh, let me explain to you, world. Antifa is short for anti-fascist. Therefore, everyone else that they're fighting, they're only fighting fascists. Oh, my gosh. Because the name is anti-fascist. See? That's, that's literally the depth of analysis that's happening in the blue checkmark Twitterverse, which is, I, I, I mean, it's shameful it's shameful, it's shameful. Um, but it's i just want to point something out just in case you haven't noticed this the people's democratic republic of korea not a democracy the patriot act not really about patriotism uh leave dr. no child dre, behind dr dre is not a doctor <laughs> right this is not i got that one from someone else on twitter by the way but so i want to give credit i don't remember who it was but Look, just because something is named something, that doesn't mean that's what it is. In fact, Carrie, what book are we reading this month? Yeah, 1984. I mean- What's in 1984? What's the thing in 1984 that's popular? Doublespeak. Yeah, Newspeak. Newspeak. So they, they, they actually, um, it, it is beneficial to name things in, in this way. Like that, like like no child left behind is another example. Yes, you're telling people what you want them to believe. Yes, you are about, and these freaks and Antifa, um, and I have no, I don't have a modicum of respect for these people, and I don't mind name calling them in the third person at all. Um, <laughs> like it would be different in a discussion with one of them face to face. If I hope to get anywhere, I wouldn't, I would not call face them names. Ask. Face to mask, yeah, cowards, freaking <laughs> masked cowards. But um, but uh, they they you read the Antifa handbook? 
they define anybody who's not a Marxist is a fascist. Basically, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, it's, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. I've been meaning to do a video on the Antifa handbook. By the way, I found this really interesting quote uh, by, I don't know who this guy is, so if he happens to be a horrible person, don't blame me. Roger Scruton, uh, he wrote a book, I guess, called A Political Philosophy in 2006. But this is a great explanation of Newspeak. Newspeak occurs whenever the main purpose of language, which is to describe reality, is replaced by the rival purpose of asserting power over it. To me, that's like, that's exactly, that's exactly the point. And that's why they call themselves anti-fascists because they want everyone who's not them and they are radical Marxists. Actually, they're radical Marxists, but they're also just discontent, you know, nihilists. Uh, everyone who's not them is, they want them to, they want them to be fascists. They want them to be viewed as fascists. So that's why, that's why that's their name. Can I just read, since you mentioned 1984, a couple of quotes from George Orwell and then, and then we can move on. These are are not from 1984. These are from um, papers of his, like essays and where he's actually just talking about his ideas. So one of them, I think I've read, before on one of our podcasts, but it says if if thought corrupts language, that language can also corrupt thought, which is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, and then political language is designed to make lies sound truthful and murder respectable, and to give an appearance of solidity to pure wind. Yep. Um, Okay, here's another. The great enemy of clear language is insincerity. When there's a gap between one's real and one's declared aims, like with Antifa, their real aims and their declared aims, one turns, as it were, instinctively to long words and exhausted idioms like a cuttlefish squirting out ink. He's just, he's great. (laughs) Anyway, there's a lot more. He he wrote a lot about the use of language. Yeah. uh, Yeah, it's something the left is very good at. Yeah. And they're, and they're, they're liars. I, I, one quick anecdote about a discussion I was involved in the past couple of days online with this very well-intentioned SJW. She's the white woman I've talked about before who pays to go to these unlearning her toxic whiteness crap. And yeah. even, half, even after having been to one and being abused and bullied and having a traumatic experience and writing about it, now she's going to another one that's like a Buddhist one. But anyway, <laughs> unlearning toxic whiteness in the Buddhist way. <laughs> um, but so in a discussion with her, uh, they can't see. There's this, this thing about language and about like you've talked about like philosophy. You don't want people, they don't want people to have ideas or to think about philosophy. So she's like, no one has a wealth thought out. This, you know, SJW ideology, it's not, it's not Marxist. It's not even well thought out. It's just a what desire to do good. It's just a, and I'm like, no, I actually agree with you. It's not well thought out. It's like the Jung quote. People don't have ideas. Ideas have people. No, I don't think they've thought their ideology out at all. They, they don't have the ideology. The ideology has them and it is Marxist. Some of them have thought it out. The leaders know exactly what they're doing. The leaders know what it is, but this, woman I'm talking to. Yeah, of course she's not well thought out. She's not well thought out at all. It's like, yeah, you don't have Marxism, woman. Marxism has you. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. I'm getting fired up about this. Let's no, no, it's actually, 
it's actually a good segue to what I what I've been thinking about. And I wanted to mention, and part of the reason some of this we've talked about before, but I think it's important because our channel is growing, and I've seen some comments like indicating that like maybe people don't, not everyone that's new, we're, we're taking for granted that we've made arguments in the past, and people have seen them, and not everyone has. So let me just talk about the culture. So so Antifa's role in the culture war is. Antifa's not powerful. They're they're like a useful idiots that the left is using. They're not. They have no. They have no place in the future society they're trying to build. Uh, they're just. They're just being used for for this purpose. But but they they are playing a role in the culture war. And it got me thinking about this. I and I maybe it's just worth talking about. So the left is is pushing this fundamental ideology, carry which you and I have talked about a lot, which is collectivism. Just for people who haven't been listening. Collectivism is the idea that individuals don't own themselves, right? They're not sovereign actors with, with natural rights, but instead individuals are subordinate, subordinate to the group. So it's the tribe or it's the state or it's some other collective that both speaks for every individual and everyone that they purport to represent and ultimately owns your life and your productive output and can make decisions about what to do with you. You are a cog in the machine. And so let me interject there. As an example, we see this on the right when you look at like white supremacists, they are collectivists and they view race as being very important. And you, you're, you're defined by your group, you're defined by your race. You're not an individual. You are a white person or you're not a white person, right? Um, you see this on the left with SJW, with social justice ideology, which they, def they also define you by your race. You, everything is defined by your race, your sex, your sexuality, that is the primary thing. And they often speak, just like white supremacists, they speak in terms of, uh, as if the group all has the same opinion. Like, we're doing this for black people. We're doing this for women, right? You don't speak for the group. And, and, and people are individual. Anyway, I'm, I'm going to rant. I don't know why I'm in a ranty mood today. I just no, want to make fine. that. That's an example. No. It's good. And actually, it's good that you brought it up because a lot of times when we say like fascism and and Marxism are two sides of the same coin. People are like, how can you possibly say that? And like, well, you know, I know the left doesn't like when people point out that Nazi was national socialism and they say, well, that wasn't socialism, that's fascism, that's totally different. It, it was called socialism because of its collectivist nature. This was how, this was how the, the Nazis talked about people. All the Jews are X, all the Aryans are Y, blah, blah, blah. Like that's how they, they were collectivists, which is, the same as how Marxists treat people. They are collectivists. Traditionally, you know, one of the most recognizable Marxist systems was communism, right? And traditionally it was along class. So it was like all the working class, all the bourgeois, all like that they, they broke people into groups and those groups were based on class. But I think what's, what's happened here is it's become very difficult for the left to push communism after the 20th century, right? that communism killed about 100 million people in the 20th century, something that you don't hear about in your history class, probably. Uh, so that's way for, more than- For a reason. Yes. That's way more than Nazism, right? So there's the killing fields of Cambodia. If you don't know about the Khmer Rouge and Pol Pot, go look them up. If you don't know about the Hall of the Moor, uh, where the, the famine in the Ukraine caused by Stalin, uh, that killed more people than the Holocaust, just that, go look it up. Look at up all the people that Stalin killed. 
If you don't know about the Great Leap Forward, Chairman Mao killed roughly 45 million Chinese. All of this was in the, done in the name of communism. So, and by the or, way- Or Marxism. 45 million in four years, just to be clear, very efficient. Well, all of this was actually done in, in the name of communism specifically. Um, right, but my point is the ideology behind that was Marxism. Well, that's actually what my point is, the ideology behind that is collectivism. Um, right, but Marxism is a form of collectivism. I, yeah. I'm, I think it's important to point that out because Marxism is the same, it's a collectivism, yes. But, but you were, all, you, I know you were about to get to this, but, but today, again, for the benefit of anyone who's watching us for the first time, when I say this woman I'm talking to, that Marxism has her, it's still Marxism. It's not, social justice ideology is not new. It's, they've just changed it instead of it being about class like Carter's talking about. What we're seeing is it's now about identity groups. So the groups they're putting people in are based on race and sex and sexuality. And it's all based on identity and how much, quote, power they say you have comes from what groups you're in. Okay, I just wanted to make Well, that, that was exactly my next point, basically, okay. which is that now, instead of Marxism based on economic class, they've switched and they do it based on race or gender or whatever. Um, and one of the reasons for that is that um, the classist stuff didn't work in America very well because Americans mostly still feel like they have upward mobility, uh, which is actually true, they do. So because of all the upward mobility and class changing in America, it was kind of hard to push out this like, you're the poor class and there's the rich class and you never the two shall meet. And because people were like, no, no, I aspire to be in the rich class. So. And that's, you know, it, it was difficult. So they had to switch it to other stuff. But the other thing that they're doing, and Carrie kind of touched on this, their other part of their new strategy is whatever they do, don't call anything communist and actually even avoid Marxist if you can. Sometimes yes. at universities they'll admit their Marxism a little bit, but generally it's like any other label, socialist. They'll even use the label democratic, uh, social justice, intersectional stuff. They'll even use the word liberal. Yes, they steal that. So I've, I was an SJW for 20 years, again, for any new people. I didn't realize what I was brainwashed into was Marxism. Like they didn't use that word. I mean, in some of my readings they did, but it wasn't presented as this is what we're learning. What we were learning was intersectional feminism, third wave feminism, critical race theory. All these things are Marxism. Like, right, right. But they have to have a different label because they know that in America – those words have been, those words are associated with those hundred million deaths. And so it's like, uh, you can't really, can't really call it that. Or they'll just label, have like cool words like woke. You're woke. What does woke mean? It means you're a Marxist ideologue. Yeah. It's us. And they do, and they do still, the, they try to still the word liberal, which it pisses me off to no end because I am a liberal and this belief system I got pulled into, I thought I, they bring you in incrementally you start to believe, you believe one thing. It's like a stepping, like a ladder. There's all these different rungs. And suddenly they've got you to where you're defending very illiberal things like Antifa beating people up in the streets or right. censorship on, by social media companies, you know? Yeah, no, and, 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 I think, and I think really the antidote to that is to understand that if you understand the philosophy, this is why they don't talk about philosophy, and this is why they don't like to talk about collectivism or individualism, because if you understand what collectivism is versus individualism, 
you can spot it pretty early no matter what name they, because they just relabel stuff all the time. But if you understand the principles behind it, you look at those labels and go, well, wait a minute. This is just a form of collectivism. <laughs> like, yeah. I see what you're doing <laughs> and, and it's hard to get sucked in. But if you don't have that mindset, if you're not aware of the philosophy behind it, then you do exactly what Carrie's saying. You get like, well, how about this? How about this? How about this? And before you know it, you're, you know, supporting Antifa thugs. And again, like you, like this woman said, I don't, it's not well thought out. I'm not, a, yeah, you're not, you're, you don't have collectivism. Collectivism has you. Right. And if you don't understand what that means, I don't, I don't know how to better, I think that's a pretty descriptive. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. It's yeah. great. So, okay, so they had to make sure people, so the last thing that they did, I think, is they realized, so the first two we talked about, the first, there's three things. Their strategy was they had to uh, change, change it so it wasn't based on economic class, which they've largely done. Um, they have to make sure to not call it communism, Marxism, or whatever, relabel stuff. And they have to avoid, they have, the third thing was they have to avoid defending their ideas because they can't have the link between, like, if they have to start defending their ideas, like they're going to have a big problem. So one of the things they have Everything. to the link between 20th century yeah. democide that happened in the name of collectivism and what they're doing. And the culture wars is largely about avoiding defending those ideas. That's kind of what the culture war is about. They, they can't defend the ideas because when they do it, everything breaks down because um, and in the same conversation we were having yesterday, one of my friends who agrees with me was pointing out to the, trying to point out to this woman and actually one of our viewers, he was like trying to point out like um, it's a logically incoherent ideology. And, and, and that's, that's why they can't defend it. And so all these little magic words they use and you find yourself using them, those are words that are designed to keep you from defending your ideas and to try and prevent other people from doing it. So white fragility, you know, uh, white privilege, toxic masculinity, all of these things are designed to keep you from actually thinking about what, what, what do I believe in why and how would I defend this? And, it, and then you, people, they use them, people speak them to other people to try and get them to stop. Like if, they, if you disagree with them, they throw out one of these magic words. But they yeah. won't. They won't, they won't, they can't defend their ideas. They are logically incoherent. Right. And be, so because they can't defend them, they have to avoid defending them. Right. And, and that's, and again, I think the culture war's ultimate goal is self-censorship. The goal is to get people to self-censor. And one of the ways they do that is through magic words, like you're saying, Carrie, right? They just like, or, or ad hominem counts that too, or labeling people racist, misogynist, yeah. bigot. They all self-censor. Whatever it is. Yeah, they, the same woman and it's same conversations on her wall. There's like white people and they're like, I wait for a person of color to tell me what racism is. Right. <laughs> okay, well, which right. person of color? They don't all have the same opinion. <laughs> right. right. So, so one way to self-censor, one, one way to get people to self-censor is to like scare them with magic words, right? They get a little bit nervous about, I don't want to be called whatever. Another way to get people to self-censor is using actual impactful ostracism. So you fire James Damore when he suggests that, hey, you might want to approach solving your problem in this other way based on some facts and here they are and here's some thoughts and let's have a discussion. Well, we got to fire him because he's having a wrong think discussion. So we have to set an example and we have to show people that you will get ostracized and lose your income and get fired if, you, if you're a wrong thinker. 
And this is the why they shame people for wearing the wrong hat in restaurants. Or this is why this is why you get banned for making a joke on Twitter or saying the wrong thing or asking the wrong question. Like all of this, kicking you off social media platforms, fire you, harassing you, all of that is a form of ostracism that's designed to get you to self-censor so that you're afraid to say, hey, what about what about this? Or hey, this is I like this candidate, whatever it is. Yeah, they want they want to self-censorship is the right way to put it. And even like that video we did about white fragility and we looked at that white fragility stupid bingo thing this woman came up with. Um and what did she say about it in the description, you know? This will help white people learn what they should what was it? Like shouldn't say. Uh mm-hmm. right, like what they what they can't they it's all about getting you to censor yourself. That's why they authoritarians don't need guns if they can get you to do it yourself based on cultural and social pressure. Especially if you don't have guns, but that's a separate issue. Yeah. I mean, they don't, it's much easier. Isn't it? Was it Yuri? What's his last name? Resmanov, I think. Yeah. So that the, the Soviet defector, right? Mm -hmm. He talked about this. Like it's much easier to get brainwash a country through academia, start with the academic institutions and have people do it to themselves. Yeah. Like, and I, and like I do, I think it's all about self-censorship. And I think this is where, so I think the third kind of rung here was, so we talked about like verbal magic words and, and that kind of stuff. There's this pressure of getting your Facebook or Twitter account deleted or getting fired even like that's ostracism. And the third rung is actual physical violence. And that's where Antifa comes to, comes in. And, and just think about this for a second. Would you wear a MAGA hat in Portland? I, look, I've offered this challenge to people who, um, on the left, who refuse, who, who try and argue that somehow they they believe the lie that this is like under in Trump's America, it's like really dangerous for women and gay people and people of color, and like it's so dangerous. It's like you know who it's really dangerous for right now. Put on a MAGA hat, walk through Portland, and yep. every person I've made that challenge to is like. Well, no, because I don't, I don't want to be seen as a Trump supporter. Well, why? Who cares? Put on a Gadsden flag. Even a Gadsden flag is um, viewed as alt-right, right? The, don't tre- the yellow don't tread on me mm-hmm. snake flag. Um, but so I think the purpose of Antifa is just to intimidate people because if you think about it politically, what's one of the things that gets political, mo- like name recognition, people out talking about candidates, who they'll vote for, what they think, blah, blah, blah. If you can shut down even discussion of your political opponent in any non-negative light, that's massive, right? If, if people are going to wear Bernie hats, but not Trump hats, if people are going to say, oh, I was thinking about voting for Bernie, but not, oh, I was thinking about voting for Trump. If, if that becomes the environment that they can set up and you are self-censoring anyone on their, their political opponents are all just self-censoring. That has a huge, that alone has a huge impact on the elections, right? That has a huge impact on how people vote because no one, everyone that's maybe thinking, maybe I'm, maybe I'd vote for Trump or whatever. They're looking around going, I must be the only one because no one else is, no one else is saying anything. Everyone else is just, you know, 
taken a dump on them. Everyone else, everyone else's seems to be all about the social justice thing. I must be the odd man out because I'm, even if it's not Trump, even if it's just, I'm against social justice. Yeah, that's, well, that's what I was going to say. Like liberals like myself who are not even like Trump voters, those are the people I wish who would stop self-censoring. Like take a, take a cue from like, look at, okay, so look at what they do to people like Tim Pool who's a liberal, um, who's part of Occupy movement. Look at what they do to liberals like Dave Rubin. They try and paint them as alt-right. They try and paint you and I as alt-right. Right. Um, and, so, and so I understand why liberals are afraid to say, hey, I'm a liberal. I'm not an SJW leftist. But if enough liberals would do that, then you, the fear, there wouldn't be a reason to be afraid of it. So... I, well, liberals I mean, to me, I'm like, just. I don't know if the entire cathedral is, is controlled by SJWs and Antifa is allowed to run around beating people up in Portland and the cops aren't going to let them. Maybe it isn't a good idea to say you're a liberal. Oh, and Antifa hates liberals. Right. I mean, That's you saw they, they spray painted in Berkeley this sign that said liberals get the bullet too. And then it had the uh, sickle. Right. You know. By the way, that great visual image, the Antifa people uh, carrying a communist flag uh, this, this weekend in Portland. Yeah. And the Hong Kong protesters carrying the American flag. I saw, was it a Babylon Bee article that said, uh, we offered to trade all of our Antifa for all of the... Uh, yeah, yeah, Hong Kong protesters. Hong Kong protesters. Give us the Hong Kong protesters and we'll give you all of these black mask wearing cowards yeah elite elitist cowards yeah racist sexist authoritarian bullies so in in light of this understanding of the culture war carrie and like the, you know the verbal the ostracism and the actual violence to as intimidation right i i had a disturbing conversation with a friend of mine and i just want to share it i'm obviously not going to say his name but this is a guy who's older. He's had decades of experience in Silicon Valley, brought companies public, smart guy. He voted for Trump. Obviously, he's smart enough to never, ever talk about it in Silicon Valley or even mention that he's interested in politics in any way, right? Just doesn't say anything. But he's not, he's not a dumb guy. He's a smart guy. And he confided in me I'm worried about voting for Trump in 2020. And I said, well, why? Like, you know, I, I, there's reasons to not vote for him. Here's the things I don't like about him, blah, blah, blah. We're having a discussion. He said, no, 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 no. What if they find out? Wow. He's like, what if people find out? Is there a way for them to find out who voted for whom? And I was like, I'm, I said, I'm pretty sure I've never, I've never heard that happening. But he has a rational fear because he's in the Bay Area. And it's actually not far-fetched to imagine that pollsters somehow figure out a way to tell who you're voting for or get that information somehow and blacklist well, people. Well, we've seen them. We've seen them. Um, Julian Ca Castro, who's running for president, Democrat, who just outed a bunch of regular citizens because they donated to Trump. He's like, here's all the Trump donors in this city. Like, go get them, basically. Yeah. That's terrifying. Right. Um, but but in terms of like who you vote for, no, I don't think 
I think we're really far away from that being, I, I really, that's what I told them. <laughs> yes, we're really far away from that being a reality. Please don't let that be a reason for you not to vote for who you want to vote for, no matter who it is. And, yep. um, but what a, what a crazy world we live in that that's even a consideration. I mean, no, I get it. Silicon Valley is like, you guys are the, in the epicenter, Portland, Berkeley, like all of these areas are, things are much, they're much further along. Yeah. And, and, you know, the truth is, even if they're not going to find out who you voted for, just, just all of these things we've talked about, just outing people who donate, beating people up who wear the hats so that people don't wear the hats, um, firing people who have wrong things just so that wrong thing doesn't spread. Um, calling, you know, calling people names just so that they'll shut up so that, that their ideas don't propagate. All of this stuff is part of the culture war and it's, it's designed to allow this leftist ideology, which as you pointed out, is a form of Marxism. It's, if you want to be philosophical about it, it's collectivism, but it's a variant of Marxism, which is why people use the term neo-Marxism. That's what it's designed for. It's designed to help pave the way for collectivists to take control. And you can see right now in the Democratic Party, it's, in, it's a contest to see who's more woke. That's what the yeah. election is on the Democrats. Oh, they, the, it's the same ideology undergird, that undergirds Antifa that has taken over the Democratic Party currently. That's why, as a lifelong Democrat, I'm probably not going to be voting for the Democratic candidate. Because I, there's only a couple of them that I can see who don't espouse this belief system. And none of the ones, I don't, I don't think they have a shot at being the nominee because the establishment, the cathedral, has embraced SJW ideology. So they're not going to let, they didn't let Bernie win. They're not going to let one of these, they're not going to let Tulsi Gabbard win. No. I mean, they already have been doing the Russian head pieces on her. Right. They hate her. <laughs> it's I so obvious guys. Once you foreign policy, but yeah. Yeah. But once you step out of it, it is so laughable. It's like yeah. their tactics. They just do the same thing over and over. You're like, really? Are people going to fall for this? I yeah. guess. Can you pick another country? Is it the Russians yeah. again? Yeah, I saw a Jaco Jacobin, is that how you say it, magazine. They did a hit piece on Andy No, and it oh, was okay. just over the top and, and laughable and just full of these. They just make statements without any evidence to back it up. They just say it as if it's fact. Yeah. And you're supposed to believe it. Did you see Turning Point USA actually did a video where they went around and they asked, I don't know if they hit all of the Democratic candidates, but a lot of the major presidential candidates to disavow Antifa. No, yeah. I did. I didn't see that. Yeah, only maybe one did directly. Wow. Uh, the they got was a couple people saying, "Well, I'll disavow any hate." No, uh, they're such cowards. They wouldn't. Would, no one would disavow anti. Maybe one person did. I don't remember who it was, but I yeah. wish I wish a Democrat would get a backbone, right? Oh, I like think, I, I would. Tulsi, I think she says I have disavowed anti. Yeah. Again, why I love Tulsi. That yeah. makes sense. Tulsi's the only one with any balls. Yeah. And, and she's a woman. But <laughs> I, um, yeah, I just, I, I'm so ashamed of my former party. And um, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that Keith Ellison was taking selfies with the Antifa handbook. Why should we expect them to be disavowing? Well, I, again, I think if you view Antifa's place in the culture war, 
they, it's disavowing someone on their side. Antifa has a role to play. And that role is to intimidate wrong thinkers. And, you know, you can, you can say all you want that you don't support violence. But if you're pushing the same ideology as Antifa and you know damn well you need intimidation for your side to work because you can't have arguments, then you really, you know, you really kind of need Antifa, right? They, they need Antifa. They need people to be intimidated. They need people to be afraid to walk down the street wearing a MAGA hat or even saying the wrong thing. So that's the only way they win is, is through this culture war. I still know people who support Antifa, which blows my mind and I couldn't be more passionately vehemently opposed to them. And I feel like as a liberal, it's my responsibility to be opposed and to denounce the friggin' extremist racists on my side. And, and I, people on the left are always like, why doesn't Trump denounce the white nationalists? He's done it over and over and over. It doesn't matter. You ignore it. He's already done it. Why don't you denounce Antifa? You know, take care of your side. Take care of the lunatics on your side. So I it, encourage you to stop viewing them as on your side. No, no, because no, they're on the left. That's what I mean by that. They're not on my side, but I'm speaking in the language of most. Okay. The, most people view left and right as a thing. I don't view it as a thing anymore, but they do. So I'm trying to speak that language. I get a lot of people on the left who are like, why don't you attack the right, the, the extremists on the right, the way you attack the extremists on the left? Because I'm not on the right. It's not my responsibility. I'm on the left. So these freaks over here don't represent me, and those are the ones I need to be calling out. Plus, there's just a handful of them. They're just, they're just not impactful. They're, they're mostly a mirage. There's, yeah, there's a few. There's like Richard Spencer, and a few, there's a few people on the right. Oh, you mean on the right? Yeah, those freaks. There's a- <laughs> Mostly it's just ghosts that CNN has scared you. Yeah. Exist. Yeah. The real extremists right now who are getting a pass, a big pass from politicians in the media, are the freaks on the left. Yeah. So I, get, I do get angry about it. They do not represent me. And if I have a responsibility to call out hateful extremists, it's going to be the ones on the left. So if you expect people, if you're on the left and you expect people on the right to do that about their crazies, lead by example, start criticizing your crazies. Right. Well, people on the right do generally. <laughs> they do. That's, I know. So why don't we do that on the left? Because you need Antifa. I don't. <laughs> well, the left needs Antifa. Yeah. Right. Look, so. look at this little doggy. That dog does not need Antifa. No, this is, this is Jack. Anyway. Well, let's remember that we're in a culture war. Stand up to the, stand up to the verbal pressure, the ad hominems. Call it for what it is. Call out collectivism for what it is. You know, uh, the more people that stand up to this, I think maybe the better chance that we have of at least fighting it. But I, I think, Carrie, I think at the end of the day, we've got to find a community of people who understand what's going on here and who are not part of this. And that's kind of this spot. Like, come to the channel. We don't always, Carrie and I don't always agree. We're not right about everything, even though I often feel that I'm right about everything. <laughs> part of my personality. But look, you know, argue with us, come here. But this is a space where we can have conversations without any of this kind of 
your you know any of the the ostracism the the just ad hominem labeling disengaging tactics you know no one points your finger and says you're racist because of you know you have the wrong opinion it's we just need to we i think we need to have a community of people who respect individualism that's what we're going for here and however, however we will say if you support a racist belief system that you support a racist belief system and i don't care well, if that's after on, interacting with someone if i believe yeah. they actually are racist because there's there's reasons for for that belief then sure I, I don't mind calling people racist if i think they're supporting racism but after a conversation at, that's not a way to shut down a conversation it's not hey i right. disagree with you racist that's not how it works thank you guys for watching Thank you for subscribing and sharing. And if you want to uh, donate financially, we have a subscribe star and we also have merchandise on our website and we are doing our second book in unsafe space book club coming up on September 8th. Mm -hmm. We'll be doing a live discussion with anyone who wants to be a part of it. So uh, the book we're reading now is 1984. So start reading. What else? No, I think that's good. Uh, unsafespace.com is where all that merch stuff is. And you can get to Subscribestar from there, but you can just search for unsafespace.com on Subscribestar. Uh, really appreciate the support of everyone in the community. Please continue to support us and we will continue to do this and hopefully improve. So, bye Jack. <laughs> Jack can't see you. <laughs> bye.